You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick. You know what it takes to, to play small ball? Small balls. There's no ball shaming here. And Matty Rose. Uh, alarm balls or, or alarm bells or just a, a blip on the radar here for the Cowboys? Ooh, boy, that's <laughs> one of the great questions that's ever been asked. On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Oh, hi there. Hour number two. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, downtown studio. Flames win 4-3 last night in Buffalo. They still got two games on this five-game roadie. Good team-building roadie. Love hearing all that kind of stuff. Got to get away. Team-building. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, they play the Jackets tonight. Mm-hmm. By the way... Hold on, let me look at the papers here. Uh, it's Calgary Flames game day, brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. Pre-game with Pat Steinberg is at 4 p.m. Puck drop with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson goes at 5 p.m. Probably more like a 5.07, but that's fine. Probably. Yeah. Um, Frank Cervalli, NHL Daily Faceoff at the bottom of the hour. Mm-hmm. Mr. Pat Steinberg, 8 o'clock. I think this is the second time he's been on our show. Second. Yep. Is it? Yeah, because I think he played Dragon's Breath the first time. Yeah, so we had Kelly Rudy on for the first time yesterday and Patty on for the second time. We no. cold called him at the draft. Oh, oh right, yeah, we that's did. Right. Yes, that was fun. Good call, GBP. Mm-hmm. Good job. Um, we also we also got an announcement to make. Are you ready for it? Do we have a drum roll, ding. please? Um, GBP immediately. Community drum roll. Thank you. That was. It's the big show at the Heritage Classic. Woo. Myself, that's me, and Matt will be hosting that's a... That's me. That's me. Sorry, yeah. I missed that. Try again. That's Myse- me. It's the big show at the Heritage for- Classic. Myself and Matt will be hosting a special edition of the big show on Sunday, October 29th from 2 to 4 in Edmonton. Wait, we got to go to Edmonton? Yeah. It's that's brought me. to you by <laughs> Tuxedo Source for Sports. Mm. Come see why Calgarians continue to choose them for all things hockey. 2520 Center Street North. Well, outdoor hockey for you, boys. Excellent news. Yeah, we're going. We're going to Edmonton. Going to Edmonton. Can't wait. Oh, Edmonton. Yep. Uh, we'll Very be there uh, Sunday. Mm-hmm. We're staying over Sunday night. Yep. Hopefully there's a... If, uh, yeah... Yep. Like you, you see the the email yesterday, the, the calendar of events that they have planned. Yeah, yeah I wish we were there Friday. We can go for the media skate. That would have been cool. Yeah, but I also then you have to be, be in Edmonton for, for like, like three, three nights. Oof, like, long time to be there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm also really excited because that means I get to go to the Wranglers home opener on the Saturday of the day before Hell that. Yeah. There you go. There One you go. p.m. start. Matt Knee. Yeah. Um. So yeah. A bunch of double headers this year at the Wranglers. In yeah. The we're doing a show Sunday from two to four. Yeah. That means you got to work too on Sunday. You got to produce a show. No, I don't. I mean, no, you don't. I don't have to work Sunday. Just a board no, off. But you got to oh, produce. No, for, I'll book you, I guess. Yeah. But that's I, what I mean. I, yeah, you come in for that. No, no, no. No, no, I'll no but you'll get an extra day off. Yeah, we get an extra day off. That's it. what's happening. Yeah. But I what? Well, I you got to. Well, you're the if, producer. You got to book the show. Yeah, I'll book the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm saying, but you'll get an extra day off. Okay. Yeah, you're like, you're like, why am I part of this? Yeah, sorry. He was very excited to have his Sunday watching football and not worrying about what the hell we were doing. Sorry. Which is fair. Um, also, in the uh, 6 o'clock hour, I don't know how it came up, but uh, Maddie and Patrick have never heard of Delilah, who is one of the biggest syndicated radio stars in the planet. And uh, she does a great job of working on easy rock stations mm-hmm. and her soothing voice. Mm. Uh, can you play a little bit of Delilah for us here, uh, Patrick? 
Oh, Patrick, PvP. What are you doing? Uh-huh. Are you in the car driving? Probably. Maybe you're a little tired. For sure. Maybe you were up way too late last night. You've got a lot of things to think about. Well, we are here to yep. keep you company, to whisper in your ear, and uh-huh. to play songs to speak to your heart. <laughs> there you go. We should have a song that's like, The Big Show. I agree. I found that so gratuitous. Are you driving in your car right now? <sighs> are you happy the Flames won last night 4-3? How mad are you that the third leg of your parlay didn't hit last night? Are you upset that Jeff Skinner didn't get an assist for you to win a giant same-game parlay last night like I am? I would have paid for Edmonton. How many times did your group chat share the Jay Woodcroft video yesterday? Are you happy that the Oilers lost to the Flyers 4-1? And that the Flames won 4-3. We're here to whisper in your ear about a successful game in Buffalo last night for your Calgary Flames. The big show, <laughs> Rusik and Rose. I wish somebody would sing that for <clears> us <throat> and we could produce it. And we'd have like the, the, like the, the, those like very, it sounds like, like almost what like instrument a harp? is that when you just like run it along? A harp? No, it's not a harp. Oh, like, which, by like the way, chimes? I don't, I don't know which instrument's more sensual—the harp or the cello. But what is that it's thing called? Harp. Where you, it's the harp. You straddle both of them. The one where you just like you put it along and it makes that noise, like. Not just wind chimes. No, it's not wind chimes. And wind chimes are creepy too. <laughs> wind chimes mean? are a little creepy. Why are they creepy, George? Because every horror movie has wind chimes in them. Okay, that yeah. Okay, you're bringing up a fine point. Yeah, there. it's like it oh, is. wind. You're like oh no, somebody. There's a wind chime, and then like somebody gets <laughs> murdered in a cornfield. It's the only thing happening. It's just the like, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, play the Delilah, just the, when they sing the Delilah part. Somebody out there has to be a musical sleuth, know what this yeah. instrument is. Bar chimes. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, yeah, what yeah, is yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Chimes. It's literally called a chime. Okay. All right. Bar chimes is what I'm finding on instrument. Tubular bells, that's another one, also known as chimes. Tubular but bells. I like tubular bells. That's a tubular bells, that's a man. Are you, you play me those tubular bells? Oh, Michael Oldfield. Are you driving to work and thinking about those fourth line shifts last night <laughs> by Sharon Govich, Greer, and Dewar? Dear. Are you glad that Elias Lindholm didn't get hurt? On that crunching oh. hit by Samuelson. Check out the top text there, Jordy. Are you wondering why Michael Backlund couldn't get a shot on goal in two <laughs> shorthanded breakaways? But that doesn't matter. Because we're here to whisper in a 4-3 Flames win last night in Buffalo. You're listening to The Big Show. The Big Show. Yeah, we need that. We need that. I think we, we need just, somebody to we, sing that for we us. We can just recycle that. Oh, that whiteboard it. Good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, whiteboard, whiteboard it. it. Yep, get up Did, there. Can somebody sing in the building? Oh, I'm sure somebody can. Uh, I don't think. I don't know. That feels like a tall task. Um, Flames win 4-3 last night in Buffalo. Um, penalty kill gets scored on for the first time, which is kind of a buzz kill because mm-hmm. it was so good. It was perfect on the season. Don't Tage take three Thompson. penalties in one period. Or don't take three penalties in like a span of 10 minutes. That would be like my first point. Okay. Um, Vladar looked really shaky in that first period, and then he locked it down. Mm-hmm. I thought the Flames were full, full marks for that victory last night. I thought the Thompson line was pretty much non-existent. 
I told last you, night man, for the Sabres. They've been pretty quiet to start the year. You know, watching a little bit of Buffalo games to start the season, just because I'm very intrigued by Zach Benson and I'm a huge Tate Thompson honk. Yeah, I have not liked what I've seen from the big man so far. He hasn't looked nearly as dynamic. He hasn't looked as sharp. Um, Alex Tuck was missing pucks all over the place yesterday. Yeah, they just haven't looked as sharp as I expected them to out of the gate here in Buffalo. And I really do think, you know, as we're 10 days into the season here, the Senators and the Devils definitely have a leg up on the Sabres if you're com- kind of comparing, because I feel like all season... You mean all the Red season, Wings. Yes, sorry. We're, all season, we're going to be comparing the Red Wings, the Senators, and the Sabres. Yeah. Those three teams at the Atlantic that everyone hopes to take a step. Now, what is the spot they're going to grab in the Atlantic? Yeah. And early regards, I would say Buffalo looks like they have a lot of good pieces, but they haven't really put it together yet, whereas some of those other groups already look really sharp. I was going to say, does Devin Levi, will he, will he be a worry there in Buffalo? Do you feel like the the, the lack of a, a, you feel like they can run with him for a bit? It's his, like, I've talked to Matthew Fairburn. It's his crease until he eventually loses. Or him. maybe uh, talk to, maybe put in some Uka Pekalukunin. Well, they got Eric Comrie there as well. I just love saying his name. Yeah. UPL. UPL was the backup yesterday. Yeah. Uka Pekalukunin. Yep. Um, yeah, listen, they've got three options there. I think Devin Levi is probably going to be the guy. He's like, even. Though he looked shaky, yeah, like he made some great saves as that game went on. Like there was the one sprawling save where he had to kind of make a non-traditional style to almost get his glove hand out to grab it. Yeah, late in the third period, there he had the one on the wraparound by Sharon Govich that yeah. he held against the ice, that which was, was incre- incredibly impressive. Like he also let that one in from uh, from Uyghur who flipped it in on him. The puck was clearly in. <laughs> Yeah, it was close. Like, like, yeah, like there, there were some shaky moments, but there were also moments that you're like, man, that guy is a stud. And I mean, he's going to be able to figure it out. Like, for, this is the first time that he looked like he was maybe a little bit uncomfortable, and he looked uncomfortable from the hop. For a guy that essentially went from junior to professional, or not like, yeah, like college. He ne- college to professional. Sorry, he never even played in the minors. Or Coronado, yeah. Um, he went, uh, you know, he was a part of the World Championship team that la- this past year that won a gold, won a game there. He's been a part of big moments and big teams, so. I mean, might as well learn on the job here. What about that play where uh, Majapani allegedly high-sticked um, Darlene where his head snapped back? Yeah. It clearly didn't mean his face. If anything, it was a hook. Good sell job. A, a great well, sell job by Darlene. I thought they down on those, those neck snaps. He but did you know it. what? You know what? That actually ended up okay for it the did. Flames because then Darlene... They took him off. They had the... Yeah, the coincidentals, which meant that even after the power play ended, Darlene stayed in the box for another minute yep. and a half, two minutes before we get a whistle. And then I think there was only like four minutes and it was coming out of a commercial break by the time he was back on the ice. Like, that's what you want to see. Take that guy off the ice. Yep. But yeah, that was a big time head kick. Um, what did you think of the power play last night? Yeah, I thought they moved it around really well. Like, we wanted to talk about this. Like, Adam Rzichka is the guy on the top unit now. They're really using him in a net front spot. Um, but... I like the movement a lot, but I just didn't love getting anything to the net. Like, the other thing, too, here is that like, I want to look back, and my favorite power play was the one that Kadri fanned on the one-timer twice. Yes. And one of them, Huberto, with an amazing cross-seam pass through two Sabres. I think Kadri was surprised that it got to him. That was the one that I was like, that was a great and opportunity. That's the one where Huberto was slamming a stick on the ice when he got off. Yeah, because they were cooking on that power play. Yeah. They were moving around really well, and the best opportunity was certainly that. And Kadri had two opportunities. He fanned on them both. 
And like, I don't know, I, I don't necessarily think of Kadri as like his one timer is the thing you have to worry about. It's more like the snapshot shooting off the rush and shooting from the slot. But it was still that was the one moment where I was like, oh, man, like imagine what we're talking about with, about Huberto if he makes that pass and that goal goes in. Right. Because Kadri fans, it's like, whatever. No one cares. On to the next. Um, PK only let in that one goal, which Vladar probably would tell you should have had as he was falling awkwardly backwards. First kill, they were dominant. Hannafin had that big block off the leg. The second one, dominant. Buffalo kept getting in their own way. But then right after you kill the second one, Uyghur trips somebody. And he's just trying to attack a puck there and maybe a little bit over aggressive. He knew it was a penalty right away. And he kind of felt like, oh, man, you can't take him back to back like that. You're just going to get yourself in a hole. And especially with that top unit for Buffalo. And I know they've been cold to start the year, but you had a feeling that eventually they were going to be able to find pay dirt. And sure enough, that's what they did. Um, why did Eric Johnson look like Rob Blake last night for the Sabres? <laughs> like, he gave me a lot of Rob Blake vibes last night. I was talking to Patty about this uh, off the air. Like Some of the things that I'm kind of noticing with the Flames' defensive coverage is that they're going to give up a lot of point shots. Mm. They like to protect the house a lot. And they do this zone-style coverage and Who's with the, the one extra man. Sorry, house. No, that's fine. You Fire away. Yeah, right, oh, the Lowry commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Who's house? Um, but when you're kind of coming back from a rush, it's about getting set quickly and making sure everyone is understanding their position. What had happened was they went way too aggressive on one rush. Everyone gets back in the zone. It's a little bit disjointed. And what the Sabres did is they moved it around the outside really quickly, allowed Eric Johnson to get the puck on the weak side of the ice and shoot through a couple of screens. There was no Sabres in the way. It was strictly just two yeah. sa- two flames, yeah. but it was good puck movement. It was a well-placed shot by Johnson, too. You know, you don't usually yeah. see a defenseman Off, trying to right. go right under the bar yeah. from there, and Vladar obviously didn't see it. But, yeah, that, that was a moment that certainly kind of stuck out as this new defensive system starts to work, and you start to kind of get a few more eyes on it and what they're trying to do in their defensive zone. Yeah, um, again, uh, solid effort by the Flames. I thought they were full marks for that victory last night. Uh, the fourth line, again, uh, was the story for me. And uh, late in the game, did you see with like three minutes to go, who does Huska throw it on the ice in homage to the his, uh, his former boss, uh, Daryl Sutter, fourth line shift late in that game up a goal? Hey, the fourth line, they were good. Sco- but I'm just saying, like so many Daryl Sutter vibes on that play, like putting out the fourth line with just over three minutes to go. Well, it wasn't, I don't think it was the fourth line, like with two minutes to go, it was like three 30 to okay, go. Yeah, the yeah, fourth yeah. Line I know what came you mean. Out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was their last shift of the game. Yeah. Greer got one more shift. Cause he replaced Matt Coronado when the backland line went out with about two minutes left in the game. Sure. And then they sent the top unit out to kind of finish things off. Yeah. Three forty around three forty to go. Fourth line out. Lots of Daryl Sutter vibes there. Yeah. Down. Yeah. And that was when there was a sketchy dump in against Wadar. Like that was maybe a, a little spot. Thompson had that shot from the slot that uh, Vladar made a really nice stop on. And then right after that, you had Manjapani who was benched for a shift because of the penalty that he took. Yeah. He was off the top line. Walker Dewar skated with that group for one shift late in the game Manjapani was back there when they were trying to just close the thing out. But I thought that was interesting. Like, just a couple of little coaching things from Ryan Huska. There was an instance, yeah. too, where they had a defensive zone faceoff. Um, it was against the Cadre line was out there. 
what Huska did is he took Dubé off the ice. He threw Lindholm out to win the faceoff because we know Lindholm's been great at draws this year. He wins the draw. They get out to the middle of the ice, and they switch for Dylan Dubé. They just got the line right back together. So it was like a 10-second, 15-second shift for Lindholm, go win the draw, and then get off the ice. And I don't mind if you're trying to do that as well in close games where that face-off means a lot. That's a yeah. huge face-off in a defensive zone. Send your best guy out to get it, even if his teammates aren't, or his line mates aren't the guys you want to send out there at the same time when you're trying to keep everything even. And the other thing, too, there is that he had sent out Lindholm, and they also had Kadri still out there, and Rizicka, so they had three centers if someone gets tossed. So I, I just really like the kind of little kind of small line changes that Ryan Huska was making in the third. Little adjustments here and there that were just either sending a message or adjusting to the script of the game as it went along. Uh, Frank Cervalli, straight ahead, NHL Daily Faceoff, will join us. Talk about the Flames' 4-3 victory last night um, in Buffalo. We'll ask him, too. We had David Pagnota on the show this week about Dan Vladar. Is he hearing the same thing, that potentially the Flames are exploring a Dan Vladar deal? And um, Pat Steinberg, his pregame show starts in a couple hours. He'll join us at top of the hour. It's all straight ahead. It's the big show. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's the big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. At the top of the hour, uh, Flames pre-post like everything. Flames every man. Pat Steinberg going to join us at the top of the hour. And uh, Philly's we'll, own right here, Mac Miller. Yeah. We'll have um, yeah, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yes, yeah, sorry. Pennsylvania zone. My bad. At 8.30, we'll do um, our locks of the evening. Also, text us at 960-960, name and location. It's a wide variety of all of this. What is the second like, most polarizing, biggest disappointment moment in Flames history? We know what number one is. Was it in... In 04, the Marty Jelena goal that was a goal that wasn't a goal. Mm-hmm. But I've asked you two. You guys couldn't even give me a I, straight answer. I've give been... me the second most. And on the ice, don't tell me about trades. Don't tell me about draft picks. On the ice, what is the second most disappointing Flames moment of all time? 960-960, name and location. We'll do those at 830. Is it round two against the Oilers from two years ago? It's either that or it's the... Curb stomping at the hands of the Avalanche when they won yeah. the division. Very the recently, brought up man. Right very away. recently. Those are the two that come to mind. Yeah. Um, maybe our next guest has an idea. Maybe um, NHL uh, Daily Faceoff. Frank Servali brought to you by Self Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SelfTrailExports.com. Mr. Frank Servali, how are you? Hello, friends. Um, do you have any idea what the second most disappointing Flames moment on the ice would be in their history? Uh, Tough one, right? Yeah, I mean, the list is a little long. Um, yeah, I would... I mean, recency bias certainly holds up. Battle of Alberta a couple years ago has got to be up there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, like, just a singular moment on the ice... Like the Marty Jelena goal, like there's there a lot of teams have these instances where it's like, oh, you know the 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 Gilmore high stick Wayne Gretzky high sticks Gilmore ninety three, 
in the playoffs. Like, there's all these teams yeah, that have last shift in Game Five might do it. Yeah, like all of these things, like that. <laughs> if a lot you're of talking t- like granular, singular moment. That that would be it. Yeah, yeah. like there's a lot of those. But I'm just trying Wherever to. Wherever the puck's going, I'm going to turn the opposite way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, keep them rolling in. Nine sixty nine sixty name and location. Uh, want to get this out of the way first. Um, we had David Pinota on from the fourth period. He's saying the Flames exploring a deal potentially for Dan Vladar. Are you hearing the same thing? I mean, I think they've been exploring for weeks. That's the truth is they're certainly open to the idea because they know that the best course of business for the Calgary Flames organization as a whole is to have Dustin Wolf in the NHL playing games. That hasn't been able to work itself out, mostly just because the prices that they felt like teams were interested in paying for Dan Vladar weren't commensurate with what they felt was his value. And so now that you see teams open the season, now that you see some injuries, now that you see some heat being turned up on others, the smart play was always to be patient if you're Craig Conroy and let teams come to you and i mean they've been they've been open and exploring for weeks is there anything else around the flames that you think is percolating right now i don't i mean i don't think so i I think they have a pretty good sense of what the market looks like for their players they've engaged in healthy dialogue in terms of trying to get extension signed and they're kind of just in wait and see mode right now has the biggest story for them been the bounce back for Jacob Markstrom? Well, I mean, there's been some pretty good bounce backs, right? Yep, I so mean, far. Jonathan Huberto opening the scoring last night. He's got four points in four games. Um, I Markstrom has been good. There's no question that that has certainly been helpful. And I think maybe the most encouraging thing is you don't need him to be... 922 Jacob Markstrom. Mm. You just need him to be competent. You need him to be just at league average or a little above it. And he's, you know, sample size is small, so the save percentage is always skewed. But I think um, it's fair to say that I like what we've seen from him so far. Um, I'm interested to get your thoughts on some of the other Western Canadian clubs. Um, Connor Garland's name in trade rumors once again. Can you tell us uh, what you've heard on that lately? Look, Connor Garland's been on our trade targets board for 18 months plus. Mm. It's been a long time. Um, he He's never really formally requested the trade, but the Canucks have made it clear for a lot of different reasons that they think the best way to handle the situation is to move on. I don't think he's felt comfortable from the second he arrived in Van. And now when you look at their salary cap and how it needs better balancing. He's the one guy that really kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. The problem for the Canucks is there'd be a bunch of takers for Connor Garland if this was the last year of his deal. Mm. The problem is he's got two additional ones on top of this one. So that makes it really difficult. Like just consider um, the San Jose Sharks and where they're at with Kevin LeBanc who was a healthy scratch for the first three games of the year before playing last night, they've been trying to move him for a while, but it's a little bit easier 
if it's if it's possible to say that because he's still there because he's still this is the last year of his deal and he's a pending ufa that's you can make a swap somewhere you can take someone else's bad deal for yours and and just go for the change of pace change of scenery if it was the last year of the deal there's a lot of players around the league right now that are kind of like LeBanc, uh, Anthony Mantha is another one. Like, what are you thinking about some of these players who have a lot of money, a change of scenery as needed, but just with the cap and lack of availability of cap space, they're probably going to be difficult to move. What do all of those players have in common? Uh, they have vowels in their last name. They one. They all had good seasons where they scored. They're I, all mid-scoring wingers. Okay, yeah. The, not high-scoring, not play drivers. And they've gotten caught up in giving these guys term that you you can't, if you're going to pay that type of you know pay scale, you get yourself into trouble more times than not. And I think that's really where the market has changed significantly is you don't really see teams doing that anymore. What do you think happens with Anthony Mantha? I'm fascinated by the player. In Detroit, he was big. He was helping that so group. Was Washington. Huh. Look at what they gave up to get him. Yeah, they gave up a ton. Like, what has gone wrong here? Everything. Uh, they think Anthony Mantha's lazy. They think mm. he doesn't work. Mm. Um, that's really, in a nutshell, to to boil it down for you in the most Philly way possible. That's <laughs> that's their thought process. Um, they, they love the, the talent. He's a tantalizing player in terms of, you know, being packed into a, a big body mm-hmm. and they just feel like they haven't gotten anywhere near the effort out of him that would be able to make that convert. And it's driving them crazy. And the crazy part about that trade, when you go back and look at it is, it didn't work out for anyone. Like everyone leaves that trade absolutely sour about how that played out. And that was a whopper that came down in the final minutes before the 3 p.m. deadline. Mantha for a first, a second, Jacob Verana and Richard Ponick. Crazy mm. deal. Which, and everyone hates it. Which deal's better, that or the OEL deal that the Canucks made? A totally different deal. Mm-hmm. Um... I would say the Mantha one is less painful. Mm. Frank Cervalli, uh, NHL Daily Faceoff, joining us uh, here courtesy of South Trail Exports. Big show, Russick and Rose, 960 to fan. How much uh, should Flames fans just be enjoying this start by the Edmonton Oilers, Frank? Huh. Uh, I was at their game last night, and it was no bueno. You know, speaking of effort, and I love the f-bomb that uh jay woodcroft their coach accidentally dropped in the post game because it was it was that frustrating for him i'm sure it was lifeless it was just not anywhere near where it needs to be and i think the really tough part when you're dealing with a team that has a lot of expectations is how do you rev them up and get them to the place they need to be in the first week or two of the season when you know that that has very little correlation to what ultimately happens in April, May, and June. It's a grind, and I think everyone understands that, but to think that 
you can waltz your way through it with as talented as Edmonton is, history has shown that that's also not the case. So uh, they've gotten their wake-up call, you would think. I thought it would have happened after the 8-1 to loss to Van. Um, I thought it might have come uh, losing to Van again. They came out way better against the Preds the other night, but the Flyers have sort of caught a couple teams by surprise in this early going, including the same exact, almost word-for-word, post-game answer, minus the F-bomb. I mean, Rick Tockett called the Canucks basically soft. Three games into the season, which is ridiculous. Yeah, but I'm saying the correlation here is that was Tuesday against the Flyers, and then... Right. Thursday against the Flyers, Jay Woodcroft says the same thing. John Tortorella's teams work. Breaking news. Like, they work hard. <laughs> yeah. They don't have any talent. Hey, do they block this shots? Has, <laughs> What's next? They block no shots? Talent. The yeah. ghost of Cam, Atkins out, Cam Atkinson's out here ripping down the ice and scoring goals. Love to see it. But, so, that's where they're at. They don't win on talent. They win on outworking you. Yeah. And if you're getting outworked against that team, like, you got to give your head a shake. Can the Oilers win the Stanley Cup if they don't win the division? Sure, why not? You think so? Without we've home ice seen, advantage? We've seen time and time again that home ice advantage means very little in the NHL. I'm just thinking about a series against the Golden Knights. That's kind of what I'm, I'm, I'm pointing at here. Didn't they have home ice against the Golden Knights I, last that's year? That's what I'm saying. Like I just, I think the road's a hell of a lot more difficult for them if they don't win the division. Like let's say ah. they play an L.A or a Calgary in round one. Mm-hmm. A lot and tougher, you, no? you're saying those teams would be finishing ahead of them? No, I'm just saying they could potentially be third. Right. Because this, this crazy format that we have in the league, like if the Oilers have to go, let's say, just hypothetically, Kings and then Golden Knights back-to-back, it's a tough road for them to get out. They could get that as the first seed too, though. Well, no. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Or they could get somebody from the Central yeah. in round one. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I the just Central's feel only like... getting three teams in, so I doubt that's the case. But I just feel like the road for them is a hell of a lot more difficult if they don't win their division. I don't know. I disagree. I think okay. we're talking like 53, 47, 51, 49. That's what the split is with home ice advantage. How good has it been? It's, it's really small. How good has it been to watch the return of Sean Couturier and Cam Atkinson up close? Yeah, it's. Sean Couturier in particular, pretty impressive, like 22 months between NHL goals. He, he looks every bit as good and impactful as he did when he was, you know, having a selfie trophy winning year. He's, he's that smart, conscientious hockey IQ next level. He's never been a fast skater. So this is not, you know, a big change for him. You know, even his rookie year, he skates fine, just it's not fast. So that's one thing that kind of, you know, has always been there for him. So that's not a change. And um, yeah, I just, it makes the Flyers that much better, Mm. which is why I didn't pick them to finish last in their division. And why a lot of people were looking at me like I had six heads because you, yeah, they lost a few players, Provorov and Kevin Hayes and go down the list. But they added a couple pretty important pieces back in at the same time that kind of made it a wash. And I think the Flyers are going to be a little bit better this year than they were last year, which is kind of bad news. They're not expecting Ellis back this year, though, hey? 
Ellis, no, his career's over. Mm, that's too bad. Uh, did want to ask you about Shane Pinto as well. Any movement there in Ottawa? Not that I'm aware of. It has been a constant grind, and I don't know if there's a shell game going on here, but I seem to think that these two sides, and I was told last week, are right on the same page in terms of what it'll take to get this deal done. There was a report yesterday that the reason it's not done is because the Pinto camp hasn't agreed to a number and the Sens refuse to make a trade until that number is agreed upon. But it's like a chicken and the egg game because you can't actually sign the contract and be over the cap and then have to make a move. But the Sens are turning around, apparently, this is according to the report, and saying, hey, we aren't going to trade away a piece unless we know exactly how much money we have to trade. I, I cannot believe we're, it's October 20th and this is something we're still talking about, especially after Josh Norris <laughs> is back and a good start to the year. Yeah, right. You can go Stutzla followed by Norris and Pinto, one, two, three. Like, it's It's got to be in the top seven or eight center positions in the league. For like the next 10 years, too. That's the best part. Um, well, depending on how many years Pinto signs, yeah. it's probably <laughs> yeah. going to be two. Should people be concerned about Tage Thompson starting Buffalo? In Buffalo? I don't think so. I think people... First off, it's overreaction season. Here, this was me yesterday, quite literally. Man, are the Seattle Kraken ever going to score a goal again? <laughs> they had three goals in four games. And what did they score last night? Seven? Yeah. Went off. Yeah, good one, Frank. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it is overreaction season. Yeah, and you you wanna you're you're like, okay, what's what can I come up with? But when you look at Tage Thompson's scoring record over the last few years, he he's a very streaky scorer. Like it's not it's not unheard of for him to score twelve in like seven games. What about so I. My short and long answer is no. Can they get the saves to get into the playoffs? I think they can. Devin Levi is really talented. He's a, he's going to be a star. He's attempting to do something that no one's really done um, in a long time, which is go from NCAA to NHL. And it's worked out pretty well for the Sabres in the past. Last time they had a guy skip a few levels in net. Uh, he's going into the Hall of Fame in a few weeks. Not saying that that's necessarily going to be the path for Devin Levi, but I think he's capable and talented enough to get them to where they need to be, save percentage-wise, to get in. Um, what have you made of the Leafs start so far? Because uh, Leafs Twitter is panicking that Max Domi forgot how to play hockey these last uh, few games. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm not really surprised on the Max Domi part because I think his last... I don't want to, is it five years, four years have been sort of underwhelming to the point where he's been a, he's been a last minute trade deadline addition for next to nothing. Um, he's been all over the map. He's had really good stretches. He's had really tough stretches. Um, I think there's talent there. I think there's a big consistency problem and I think for the Leafs, the biggest challenge has been trying to sort out their lineup in a way that balances things. You know, when you have Fraser Minton 
you know, anchoring your third line as center, it probably speaks to, it's, it's not a knock on Fraser Minton coming in and, and the improvement that he's shown to get to this point where he's cracking an NHL lineup is impressive. But if you're a team with true Stanley Cup aspirations, which the Maple Leafs are, that's probably not the guy you want there long-term over 82 games. So it speaks to a hole, I think, that's still there. Can, can Domi slide over and play center? I think he's played his best hockey at center. Hmm. But they've also got to figure out some other spots in their lineup that you know properly set things up. Some worrying trends in Washington. Um, mm-hmm. What have you seen from the Capitals, and what are you expecting? Do you see a chance at a turnaround for this season? We didn't get a chance to talk about it earlier in the week, obviously, but I love the Matthew Phillips revenge game. I love mm-hmm. that that's <laughs> yep. how he got his first NHL goal. Right uh, under the bar. I think he's one of those guys that you root for. Mm. Um, just his path and how it was blocked in Calgary by Daryl Sutter. And it's unfortunate because he gets it against a team that, you know, with Craig Conroy and, and Ryan Huska really wanted to give him an opportunity. And so uh, good for him. But this Caps team, I think, is going to struggle. I don't know how much you guys saw it, but from watching their games to start the year, they just slow. Yeah, very slow. They just don't have the foot speed to be there and be in the mix. And that's pretty problematic. They're also one of the older teams in terms of their makeup. So that's not going to fix itself. Um, would you bet on Ovechkin now to beat Gretzky's record? I know it's such a small sample size, but I don't know, Frank. Like, not even a shot on goal in his last two games. He's never done that before? It, and he just looks... What did we just say it was? Overreaction season. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. 1,350 games. It's never happened before that he's gone two in a row without a shot. Yeah. Is this an overreaction? Is there a chance they finish as the worst team in the East? In the East? Mm-hmm. Um... Probably an overreaction. I mean, there's gonna there's gonna be some competition, I think. Columbus, it Montreal. Should, yeah, exactly. Mm. The Flyers should be pretty far down there by the time it's all said and done. <laughs> Leading their um, division right now, Frank. I know, I know. <laughs> like I said, overreaction season. Um, Plus four goals differential. A, we gotta love it in Philly. Not a stretch uh, to say the Caps are gonna be closer to the bottom than the playoffs. Mm. Um, but. He's only 72 away, guys. I know. It's so close. 72, like, for a guy that, you know, still, like, let's say he gets, I said he would get to 40 this year. Yep. That that only leaves 32 the following year. Like, it's, it, it's definitely happening. You still think he can get to 40 this year? I do. Okay. I mean, we're a couple games in. Yeah. He just hasn't probably, looked. It just takes a little, a little extra time for the for the Russian machine to warm up. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of salt in that uh, yep. pepper there now, hey. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, I can't say anything about anyone's hair. So. Yeah, it's silver true. fox though looks good. Again, we've met you, Frank, in person. You're a handsome gentleman. Yeah, not um, giving yourself enough credit. Real quick, um, just a blip on the radar for your Phillies last night. Uh, they deserve to lose. <laughs> yep. Uh, you mean? They threw in the rookie pitcher after getting the the one nothing lead. Craig Kimbrell, I mean, I've been saying it for weeks, should not be trusted in high leverage situations. Like mm. 
that should have been the final straw. And I think the worry is, if you're a Phillies fan, that you're going to see him again, probably in the World Series, in a similar spot. And it's probably not going to go that well. He has a tendency over the last three months or so to be blowing games. So um, that's a tough spot. Yeah, I think ultimately, though, I think they this series doesn't come back to Philly. I think they win the next two, and they're on to the World Series. Uh, Frank, always a pleasure, uh, my man. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one, guys. There's Frank Saravalli, brought to you by South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. Again, overreaction, but this is what we do. Like, Yeah, we're supposed to. Thoroughly in the season. Like, the Capitals do look slow, and I can't believe the Flames lost to them. They had no business losing that game. No, zero business losing that game. But yeah. they did. They but sure they did. did. Yeah. Um, yeah, like overreactions. Like, yeah, are the Oilers going to have a 250 point percentage all season? Probably not. Are the Jets? Probably not. Are the New York Islanders going to remain undefeated for much longer? Probably not. Avalanche 4 0, not a surprise. Golden Knights 5 0, not a surprise. Boston Bruins 3-0. Bit yep. of a surprise. Man, they're going to be a uh, boring team to watch because they just want to suff- put you in the sleeper hold. Until and David Pasternak That goal he scored last night oh, against so the nice. Sharks. My goodness. <laughs> what the hell is that? That's the Connor McDavid <laughs> goal, but no one's sharing it. Yeah, exactly. Saying. It's better than... It might be better. The one that he scored against the Preds? The, the, the where, Pat- where Carrie A just like... Forgot about playing hockey? Yeah, just- <laughs> the controller broke? <laughs> 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 Like, it's not that impressive, guys. He just span on the ice. Um, all right. I like him. <laughs> okay, Patrick. I... You just have to run him over at every chance. He's not that good. I think Patrick. Exact... He's great. I, I do it but... you, know, you know what Patrick needs in his life? Some Delilah. <laughs> Delilah. Delilah. That's what he needs. The big show. You guys got to hold that note way longer. Delilah. Oh, look at him. A little pitchy. Yeah. As soon as he started to hold it, it got a bit pe- little pitchy. It's a no for me, dog. Pat Steinberg next. Big show, Russ. The big show. <laughs> Pat Steinberg. Sports at 960, the fan. The big show with Russick and Rose in the morning, not the afternoon. Where did you get this?